Welcome to the Stoll Community of Faith podcast. The Stoll Community of Faith Church is located where we like to say Topeka and Lawrence meet at 1596 East 250 Road, Lecompton, Kansas. We invite you to join us as we worship each Sunday at 11 o'clock a.m. We are currently seeking a pastor to lead our church family. So may you be blessed as we welcome today's guest speaker, John Heckethorne, Warden Cornerstone Church. Good morning. morning. Just a little bit more about me. Uh, I can be windy. I asked how long I should speak, and they said, oh, 15, 20 minutes, but 10's fine. (laughs) I said, you're in trouble. Uh, My father was a minister. Said it was the toughest job he ever did. He, He also built homes for 25 years, said preaching was by far harder than building homes, and and I can attest uh, to that. I'm not a preacher. I will say this. My conviction is when I'm asked if I can do something, I need to say yes. Doesn't mean I'm real comfortable doing it always. Uh, And in fact, that's what my I I don't know that it's a sermon. That's what I'm going to talk about and challenge you with today is, am I an equipper? And you would say, well, I'm not an equipper because I'm not the preacher or I'm not the head head person at the church. But I think as we look through what I'm going to say, uh, we all understand that we are all called to equip uh, in everything we do in the church. Uh, So anytime I speak, I'm speaking more about where God is speaking to me and things I need to do than to you. Uh, If you happen to find part of it that will apply to your life, hallelujah, use it. Uh, I'll just say that. I did teach school for 20 years, all of them at Bonner Springs. I don't know if you're familiar with Bonner Springs. Uh, And each each summer while I taught, I built homes. I had started doing that when I was 16. I never did work with my father. He'd gotten into the ministry before I uh, was old enough to do construction. But I had started at 16, and, and then after, in the last seven years I taught, I actually built a custom home uh, during the summer. And then I got out and did that full-time 13 years and really felt like I would retire from that. Uh, but there next to John Deere in Baldwin, which some of you have been to, right next door is the, the forklift factory that build custom forklifts, huge forklifts, uh, industrial size. And I, they asked me to be their purchasing agent, and I did that for seven years. It was just, I felt too good a deal, the Lord leading me to uh, pass up in my life. Let's go to the Lord. <clears throat> Gracious Lord, we come to you this morning humbly, asking that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, that I would apply them in my life, uh, and that if anyone here gets anything out of it that they can apply, praise you. For these things we give you praise and honor and glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Some of you, she did mention that we had some acquaintances that we knew, some of you uh, buy from John Deere and know Greg Schwartz. 
Greg Schwartz is my brother-in-law, his wife and my wife are sisters. So it is, it is a small world. And I've been in your church, I don't know how many of you have gone here, but probably 18 to 20 years ago, the Warden Praise Band came and sang here. Uh, and we sang in your church one evening. We had a, we had a meal and then we sang. Uh, I was part of that praise band and, and still am in the, on the praise team there at Warden. In fact, five of the eight that sang that night still go to Warden. So pretty, pretty good deal. All right. Uh, are you an equipper? Am I an equipper? I'm speaking to myself. Being a follower of Jesus, growing, a growing follower of Jesus contributes to the body and cause of Christ. They do that by serving, by using their gifts and talents and sharing resources. We, we sometimes forget that, sharing resources. Giving financially to the church. Does that describe me? Does that describe you? Do we, do you and I contribute to the body of Christ? Our main focus today will be on the service aspect, on serving. Let's start with Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each heart does its work. When we hear that list, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, it says that they are called to equip the body, to make the body one, and they're called to do so in love. And most of us would say, well, I'm not an apostle, I'm not a prophet, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not the pastor, and some, some couldn't say, I'm not a teacher, because I'm sure there are some teachers here. Uh, but in ministry, if we look at those titles a little bit more closely, I think, I think the one that would astound us the most would be that of prophet. Because when we think of prophet in the Bible, we think of foretelling something that's going to happen. But a prophet is simply someone who tells what God's Bible says, what's in the Word of God. So all of us can be prophets. All of us should be prophets in that we hopefully know the Word and understand the Word and can spread that Word with love. It's easy sometimes to have conversations with people that may not be as open about the Bible. And if we are adamant and it's going to be like this, it's not going to go over real well, is it? We have to do it with love. We have to do it with love. The body of Christ doesn't mature unless everyone does their job, their part. So what is our part? 
What's my part? What's your part? Obviously, I can tell by, as soon as I walk in here, and I've heard, that you are a serving church. You, have, you reach out into your community. You reach out to those in need. You understand your part. It's, it's obvious that you are doing part of serving God's people. And God's people are not always just the ones who come through the door, correct? I think we understand that. So our part is to be involved. So what, what is it that uh, puts us in the game? That's one thing in the Christian life. Once we become a Christian, once we have salvation, does that make us equippers? Doesn't, does it? Unless we put what we learn into practice, we're not doing our part. We're, we are not equipping others unless we do what the Bible tells us. And it's, it challenges us in many ways to serve. Uh, salvation puts us in the game, but it doesn't put us into service. I know, unfortunately, people who have come to Christ and have accepted Him as their Lord and Savior, and that's it. They haven't grown. They haven't reached out. They haven't served. And I'm sure that hurts God. Because that's what we're called to get in the game. We're not called to become part of the team and then sit on the side. We need to get involved. <clears throat> the next area that I would read about comes from Romans 12, 4 to 8. And you said Rob read this last week. Romans 12, 4 to 8. Someone commented that I had a thick Bible. It's because it has big words so my poor eyes can see it. It is, it is a learning Bible, so it has a lot of uh, other applications with it. Romans 12, 4 to 8. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. It, if, it's, if it is to show mercy, do so cheerfully. So this list sounds a little bit more like what a layperson would be involved with. We all agree to that? This list, this list here in Romans is something that we can say, I can get into these because I understand. Real quickly, I want to go through, because it talks about gifts, I want to just hit on the gifts of the Spirit because Understanding Christ, we all have different giftedness. Some people are good at this, other people are good at this, other people are good. And, and one of my poor weaknesses is I have a critical spirit. Well, why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they doing that? I remember one time at a work day at church, 
to show you how early the critical spirit starts. I'm probably eight years old and we had a work day and there were probably 10 or 12 people there and I asked my father afterward, I said, Dad, why, why were there so few people here today? And he said, unfortunately, son, you'll find that in church work, 20, 10 to 20% of the people do 80 to 90% of the work. And that's, that's hard to understand. It's hard to fathom when we're called to get off the bench and be in the game. The gifts of the Spirit, we think, first is prophesying. But prophesying, like I said earlier, is not necessarily always foretelling. Even in here, it talked about being, being a prophet is simply spreading God's word with others. Serving, serving's the second gift. How many of you, when you think of gifts right off the top of your hand, head, think of serving? Probably not. But serving can touch so many people because you can serve in so many ways. And obviously through your outreaches here, through your hospital ministry of, of, of the gentleman, uh, I don't know if you understand, but that gentleman's grandson is Rob's son-in-law that was here last weekend. Yeah, it's a small world. That gentleman's grandson is Rob's son-in-law. Teaching. Another word for a teacher is an apostle. Another word that follows that is disciple. If we are disciples of Jesus and we learn about Jesus, we should be able to teach that to Jesus. Who's the first people we should teach it to? Our family. Not a show of hands, rhetorical question. How many of you have a family member that you know in your heart does not know Christ? There's our first example of someone who we can disciple, someone who we can teach. It doesn't have to be deep teaching. It just has to be the simple truths of Jesus Christ and how the salvation story goes. We all can do that. Encouraging. Encouraging is a gift. Not everyone is an encourager. We know Debbie Downers, but we know encouragers, and they pat you on the back and tell you, hey, great job. I really enjoyed that. I love that. That's a gift. That is, not everyone has that. Next is giving, contributing. Sometimes giving hurts. We'll talk a little bit at the very end about giving because we know we're called to give 10%, but in the Bible it says, start with what you're comfortable with. And if you start that as a starting point, eventually you'll find that the more you give, the more you get from God. Leading, leading. Leading is a gift. Not everyone can lead. It's like administration. Wisdom. We know wisdom comes to those who ask, those who seek. We know God told Solomon, I'll give you the desire of your heart. What do you want? And he said wisdom. And Solomon was, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Knowledge. It's a gift. It doesn't just happen. You have to... You have to Increase that knowledge. Faith is a gift. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. What's the best way to hear the Word of God? To stand and to sit and listen to me talk? No. To open this every day of the week and read it. The best way to hear the Word of God 
is to read the Word of God. You can listen to preachers. You can listen to televangelism. You can listen to tapes. You can read books. The Word of God is where your faith becomes strong. Healing, miraculous powers, those are gifts. Discernment is a gift. A lot of times I feel like mother's intuition is truly not mother's intuition. It's this Holy Spirit telling that woman who lives for God, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go there. Many times I truly believe that's the case. Tongues and interpretation of tongues, those are gifts. Uh, not real common in many, many churches, but still practiced in a lot of places. The next gift is that of helps. When we help someone, that can be a gift from God. A lot of people see someone on the side of the road and oh, I can't stop, it's too dangerous. And in today's society, it can be. But helping others is a gift. Okay, intercession. And when we think of intercession, it, it means going before. It's normally thought of in prayer. We intercede on their behalf. Understand that in the Bible, it even tells us that when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. I think all of us have had a time in our life at some point or another where in the worldly realm, it's above us. We don't know what to say. We don't know how to, how to pray. We don't know what to ask for. And that's when the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Well, intercession in, in, in our realm is also a gift. Mercy, comforting, are gifts. Unfortunately, it's not one of my strengths. Sorry to say. But giving comfort, showing mercy is a gift. When I coached, if a kid got hurt, it just drove me nuts. Tape an aspirin to it and get back in there. Mercy was not a high, high spot for me. Administration, someone has to run the show, but not everyone's talented enough to do that. It is a gift. Hospitality, and that can be in your home. It can be at church also, being hospitable. And prayer is the last gift that's mentioned in the Bible. We all are called to pray, but some people, it is their gifting. They can pray a lot. I remember my father always said, if you can't sleep at night, John, pray. You'll go to sleep right away. Anyone had that experience? All right. So anyway, that's the, that's the gifts. And, and uh, there in, in Romans 12, 4 to 8, we have different gifts. We're all called to do different things, to put them into, into, into being. Next, I would go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. 12 to 20. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. 
if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted. If they were all one part, where would one body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So all of us are called to make up the church. Here at Stoll, we have different jobs, we have different gifts, we have different talents. But all of us, all of us working together here can make a tremendous body of Christ. We all need to pull together. Kind of reminds me of draft horses. Anyone here a draft horse fan? Uh, there are five main types of draft horses, different breeds. Uh, Belgians, Clydesdales, Percherons, Shires, and Suffolk are the five most common. And they can weigh up to 2,000 pounds apiece. How, much, how many pounds can one draft horse pull? 8,000 pounds one draft horse can pull by himself. But if you put a second draft horse together, you would think they could pull how much? 16,000 pounds, right? But that's not the case. If you put two draft horses together, instead of pulling 16,000 pounds right off the bat, they can pull 24,000 pounds. It gets better. When you train those horses to pull together, two horses, they can pull 32,000 pounds. So instead of 16, which you would think they could do, they can double that. So if we put that in the spiritual realm as a body of Christ, if one person can reach 10 people, 25 to 30 people can reach 250 to 300. Is that not true? I think sometimes we say, well, I'm just one person. What can I do? But through God and using the gifts that he's given us, we can do a lot. The challenge, and, and, and Warden is very similar the same way. The challenge is, do people not come to church because they don't know the church is there, or do they not come because no one invites them? Sometimes, I've heard people say once they've come, well, I wish I'd have known about this sinner. If we work together, pool our talents, pool our giftedness, reach out, invite, we might be surprised what we could do. In 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, it says that we are called to serve one another in love as unto God. It's, it, we need to be real careful when we serve that we don't, I do, don't do it as, well, look at me. Because that's not, if we have that attitude, it's completely wrong. And that will not be honored. We need to do it humbly, and we need to do it out of love. Uh, Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, and by that glorify God. Everything we do, we need to do so that God gets the glory, not any person, not any individual. Colossians 3.23 says, What you do, whatever you do, 
do it all for God's glory. And that, that encompasses everything we do. That's how we parent, that's how we raise kids, it's how we grandparent, it's how we work, it's how we treat our neighbors, it's how we treat the people down the street. And when I think about that, I think of just an incident I had this week where a guy told me I offended him. Was I doing what I should have done? Maybe not. So it's real, it's real important that we have the right attitude. Because he said it was my attitude that offended him. And I was quite convicted after that conversation about that. So lots of, lots of things in my life that, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress, uh, not even close to uh, being done work with what God would have for me to do. Uh, and the last thing that I would read today, and this is sometimes the most difficult for many of us, and it's taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 7. And this is generosity encouraged. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Each of us should, should give what we have decided to give. I know I mentioned this earlier that in the Old Testament we were called to give 10%. And that probably carries forward to the New Testament. But here it tells us give what you've decided to give. And I think we'll find that if we do that, we will see that God blesses that. And our conviction will be, or should become, that we need to even give more. Because God works in mysterious ways. It doesn't, from the earthly realm, doesn't seem like, well, if I give, I'm going to learn from that and be blessed enough that I would want to give more. But that's how God works. He works in mysterious ways. We all understand that. Uh, so, give with a cheerful heart. If we get out of an attitude that I have to do this, there will be little, if any, blessing from that. We have to give with a cheerful heart. Uh, and God will, can overwhelm us with what he gives us. Now, sometimes I think, when we think of blessings, we only think of material things. We don't think of family. We don't think of relationships. We don't think of loving the body. Blessings come in all different ways. It can be a sunset. It can be a sunrise. If we'll let God speak to us through it.
so I think if we, if we just give strictly to get, that's the wrong attitude. We need to give cheerfully and as unto the Lord, and it will come back to us so many times fold in so many different ways. In closing, what am I doing that would be considered giving of myself? What are you doing that would be considered giving of yourself? I'm introspective. I'm not, it's up to you between you and God what you would be doing. What am I doing? I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. I really didn't want to come here today. Not, not that I mind the speaking. I, I speak occasionally at, at Warden. But I hate to miss church. I, I really do not like to miss church because I'm going to miss something. Church is fun. Church is exciting. I get to see the, the group of people that we worship together, that we love each other. It is a fantastic experience. But my conviction is when I'm asked to serve, I need to do that. And so I'm here, and I'm here gladly. That's why I say I shouldn't say it. I'm here gladly, but I do not like to miss church. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm glad that I could come. Uh, I, I also would say that I commend you for the steps you've made in faith to move. Understanding uh, that we understand the difficulties in that, the, the challenges of that. Uh, and you, you, I truly believe, will be blessed beyond measure in following what you felt God has asked you to do here in moving on. Uh, I'm not trying to disparage anyone or any group, but I do think we, we feel like the Spirit is, is leading us as groups to do this. And I truly believe God is in that, and you will be honored for that. And I said I would give the benediction, but it's at a later time, correct? Right, correct. So uh, my challenge is, is just that we're open to God's leading, because there are so many things that we can do, so many opportunities to serve. Uh, and obviously, like I said, you can tell walking in here that you're, you're a serving group of people and, and you're to be commended for that and praise be to God for that.